Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We've got a real cool guest on our phone. Well, not quite on our phone. We're over Zoom, but it's late night. It's kind of weird. We got the cameras off. We're in the dark. <laughs> it's probably better this way, to be honest with you. Like, no one wants to see what I look like during the day. Fucking forget what I look like on a Friday night. Well, it's actually funny because um, when we were setting up tonight, uh, we are in our bedroom again. So it's another uh, late night bedroom room session and we were setting up and Mark said something about Zoom and I said, wait a minute, I thought this was a phone conversation. And he's like, no, we're recording over Zoom tonight. And I'm like, well, fuck, like here I am with my fuzzy llama slippers, my Molson Canadian t-shirt, and my mom bun. I'm like, sure, Molson great. Canadian. Yeah, I'm like, great. I'm so excited for somebody to see me right now. <laughs> so um, thankfully we have the cameras off because I am far from camera ready. Okay, well now I know what you're wearing. I am wearing jogging <laughs> pants and a, and a hoodie and a toque and then once you introduce our guest we're gonna hear i was what gonna she's say wearing. i think he just wants to know what you're wearing <laughs> uh so hey everyone it's amanda I know she's wearing, and i know she's wearing she's wearing do. pjs in a robe that's my guess okay well we'll see if you're okay. right uh we have a repeat guest on the phone we spoke to this person uh and sometime in 2018 i'd have to go back through our archives and see exactly when it was. I feel it's like it was fall of, of 2018. And uh, we are talking to Emily Muse over the phone. And some of you may remember her as um, one of the owners of Muse Massage Spa that we went to, I would say in the fall of 2018. And uh, it was a very eye-opening experience for me as this is a licensed body rub parlor. And as a registered massage therapist, truly thought I would never you know be what? in one of I, those. <laughs> I dropped the link to that podcast all the time. Like yeah? I feel like I drop it into different RMT massage Facebook groups at least like once a month because there's always someone that comes on and is like, oh, talking about rubbing tugs or whatever the case is. So I drop that link into so many massage groups all the time. And then I always get really good feedback on it. Like, oh, I never I never knew about this. Oh, I didn't know this. I didn't know this. And I was like, yeah, yeah. actually, when I talk to people about that episode, I do get a lot of people saying that they had no idea that right. there was a such thing as a licensed body rub parlor. Like they didn't realize that was a thing. So I think that episode was uh, really educational for a lot of people. And um, also for RMTs, they were like, perfect. I'm so glad to know there's a place that I can legally tell people, call <laughs> here. We are not what you're looking for. Although Emily did tell us when we were there a couple of years ago that um, for some of these clients who are asking for things that are well outside of our scope to do, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, that it's, uh, it's, it's almost like a game. Yeah, it's like a conquest. Like what, how far can I get my RMT to go? And then we were also think about this the other day because we are permitted to be open because we're regulated healthcare. You guys are on lockdown. We had a couple of people on our couch and I asked them. This have was you, yesterday when I was like, yesterday. fuck, now, now yeah. there's going to be more like, requests. Have you guys had an increase in requests for, you know, someone wants wants a little a little fun? And uh, I, they didn't really say much about that. No, but... but um, they were also like a, a lesbian couple and they probably don't get a lot of dudes coming and saying, hey, touch my junk. Um, are you crazy? You think RMTs are a conquest? You don't think lesbians are a conquest for some... <laughs> Come on, Mark. Uh, do better. Uh, <laughs> it seems like way too much effort. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Emily, for people who don't know what we're talking about and who hadn't heard uh, your first episode with us a couple of years ago, which if you haven't, by the way, you should really go back and listen. It was very interesting. Um, can you do another quick brief intro about yourself, a um, little bit about you, about your business, um, how you got into this business, how long you've been doing this? Absolutely. Um, so Muse opened in 2009. So we are almost 12 years in. 
and uh, owned by myself and my best friend, Riley, uh, who is also a female. Uh, I worked in massage parlors for eight years before retiring, and we opened Muse. Uh, We have two locations, one in Toronto and one in Vaughan, and have over 60 staff these days. But it's wonderful, and it's been one of the craziest, most thrilling and enjoyable adventures of my life. And Muse has really managed to change the standards and the expectations of the industry in itself. We felt there was really a void in the industry for something female-owned, for something very high-end, and something really focused on the progression of the workers in their personal lives Mm. and and their accomplishments. Uh, And that really reflects kind of down the chain to the kinds of services and attention to detail that the clients receive. Through our journey, we have pushed norms, we've changed the boundaries, we've flipped standards completely on its head, we've given everything from competitors to licensing uh, a little extra work to do, and um, they they love and hate us for it. I have two things that I just kind of want to ask you right off the bat. One, what was the time frame from your retirement to owning Muse? Um, the whole process from the um, conception of the concept to opening day was a year almost to the day. However, my retirement day was three days before Muse's opening day. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And the other thing I was thinking of, I follow you on Instagram ever since we, or, or all of your social platforms, pretty much, I think, ever since we did our uh, first first uh, podcast with you. And because I see the stuff that you put out when you're looking, when, when, when she is looking for staff, it's actually really interesting because <laughs> like how you said, you flip, you guys flipped everything around. I feel like, and I would imagine in, in this industry, especially typically it's like the owner that is using their people, you know, means to an ends to pad their pocket. Right. <laughs> and I feel like you guys have kind of done the opposite, at least at least what I see in the way you advertise or put out the message like, hey, if you want to work here, it's almost like you're sending out the message like use us to the means to your well, that, ends. That's 100 percent what she's doing. It's, I remember yeah. when I met you, that was something that um, I think I had never really I, I, I never really thought about, you know, the people who work there, what their end game is. But I remember you saying something along the lines of like, I want them to work here, make their money to accomplish yeah, what they need to accomplish and get here. the fuck out of here. Like you're not looking for lifers, which is really, <laughs> yeah. it's really, really different, right? You know, what? I've never heard it worded that way as use us, but I love it. I think that's so simplistic to um, explain kind of the way we've approached it. Yeah, yeah. I guess because I worked in the industry for so long. Um, I'd come from a corporate background prior and, you know, chain of events of life. You do what you do. Uh, but I was there so long. I remember asking my boss at the time for simple things. I had some medical things come up and I was like, can we put together a group like insurance plan? Because some of these girls got kids and like, we all have shit to do with our money other than pay for the dentist. So like, can we do that? And he would always slap me down like, like, oh, that's crazy or nobody does that. And like, just as if I was outlandish. And it used to bother me a lot. And I thought, why can't it be normal where there's like health benefits or you can match your OSAP repayments or we can help you um, get the right people to help you buy a house that are used to dealing with people with cash income or like just so many resources. Plus, I mean, our clientele each have a job and there's such a vast 
like variety of people that come into the spa, many of which are my old clients. So I've known these people for 20 years. Um, if I need a lawyer, I know where to go. <laughs> you know, if I need a broker for something, if I need anything, there's already such an established trust. And it's a trust based on secrecy, which is kind of fraternity like. And so you end up with this amazing network. Why not pass that on to the workers who are doing the hard work? I remember what the job is like, like it was yesterday. So why not motivate them more? Why not give them bonuses when they hit? Why not have a sales goal? Like why not have normal things that motivate regular people? We're sort of now in a day and age where people do recognize like sex work is real work. Like why wouldn't you be entitled to anything that you could get in a corporate environment? Why wouldn't you be entitled to benefits? You're going to work. You're doing a job that obviously there's a demand for. You guys have clients. I mean, you do all right, right? (laughs) So (laughs) obviously there is a demand for this and there if there wasn't such a, you know, a stigma around the whole thing, then I don't think there's any any reason why the people the people that are doing this work are not getting everything that somebody in as a bank teller is getting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what, each aspect of the industry that gets cleaned up in that sense um, can only add to better work environments. So whether it's someone getting off the street and into an indoor environment, whether it's turning an indoor environment into a nice indoor environment to, you know, reducing access of pimps to having legitimate business empires. Mm-hmm. Why not also improve employee treatment and like human resources type things? All of that can lead to better, better experiences for the client, better work environment for the worker, better, like you attract better people all, all around. So we figured that has to be a piece of the pie. It changes who we hire. It changes the type of customer we get. Um, and and it's great for turnover. I mean, turnover is high in this business, but having new girls is always a big, a big, exciting seller. Right, and right. when girls are accomplishing their goals and moving on, that leaves space for, for somebody new. Do you guys have trouble finding new staff or have you sort of got this reputation now where getting new people to come on board is not a big deal for you? You know what? Both. In general, um, within the industry, we definitely have an established reputation. Um, and girls in the industry, they know about Muse. Everybody knows about Muse, whether you love us or hate us. Mm. Um, but there have definitely been times and phases through, throughout our, our business life um, where hiring has become challenging. And some of that uh, was really highlighted after the laws were revisited here in Canada in 2014. And they changed a lot of the regulations for advertising and online. And suddenly our normal channels were all completely gone. And that took a couple of years to recover from, mm-hmm. uh, mostly because we like to, to focus and feature brand new girls to the industry. We have very little patience for drama <laughs> and for um, salty, bitter attitudes and things that come from some very rough work environments. And when you have new, fresh faces, they're really eager and they're really happy and they really care about their clients, but they also stay really focused on their goals and they're in and out. And and I just, I love that. Is the social platforms helping a lot with the f- hiring new staff? Because I, I also saw something like how you advertise and I thought it was really interesting. And you're like, why is, is, is the, is the website fans only, only fans, which one, which one am I saying it wrong? Fans, fans only? only is a thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I saw it. I, it was maybe one of your Instagram stories when you're, when you're putting out your ads to hire, like why are you putting yourself face 
online in an online space where it can live forever you're you're exposing yourself in a much different way than you would be if you were in our environment where you can still make killer dough and all the rest of it i feel like i could rant on this topic rant away i want to hear i want because i've never i never thought of it like that like you've opened my eyes to a whole bunch of things i've never thought of it like that and what brought you down that path and i want to hear your rant on it well I mean, COVID and quarantine and everything really put a highlight on things like OnlyFans. And OnlyFans isn't the first platform of its nature to be around. Um, But it was like such an immediate shift to so many regular girls all of a sudden joining the world of sex work, yet in complete denial that they are now a sex worker and with absolutely no training or research or information on safety protocols before even choosing something as public as an online platform. Mm -hmm. And the hypocrisy of it all drove me bonkers. And I I was immediately concerned. I knew stalking issues and all kinds of weird problems, privacy issues would come up for so many. And in a crisis where you only have a certain amount of options to choose from for a living, regardless of what industry and nobody chooses sex work because they're bored, you know, like you, you choose it because you need the money. And and so are you not having the forethought or, or the education or the research or even the network to, to do something safely and properly that you can return back to your quote unquote normal life afterwards with no repercussions or to, to make the money you need to succeed through this crisis, et cetera. And yet I, I like to jump in the comment section of things very often. Mm-hmm. And and when I deliver this message or dare refer to it as sex work, there are several women that get very defensive about it. And it just, they, I think like, what a luxury for you. Because you were never a street worker who had to fight for the right to be on OnlyFans. OnlyFans exists now. It, it wasn't always that easy. Mm-hmm. There are sex workers around the world that are killed and murdered and stolen every single day. And and things like privacy don't get to be an issue for them. And here you are, you know, raging hot mad that your Instagram profile has your OnlyFans link and people dare call you a hoe. Like, (laughs) it drives me crazy and it makes me worried, um, especially for for naive, joyous people that that really think someone might be well-intentioned that isn't. And, and I think there's a lot of well-intentioned people out there. And then there's the Hollywood aspect too. I mean, you, you have certain artists singing about OnlyFans. You have former strippers that are now rappers. You have movies like Hustler and none of those people with massive platforms fight for sex workers rights openly or behind the scenes and yet profit off the ease and popularity of it. Let's not glamorize it. There can be glamorous aspects to it, but, but even high end fancy Vegas sex workers can still, you know, be stolen and and raped and abused and, and, prostituted and all kinds of things. And so where where does the balance and the logic and the the laws catch up? Because OnlyFans is such a global platform. There are people doing it in countries where they could be stoned to death mm-hmm. and, and just doing it so frivolously and putting yes. it on your TikTok. And I'm like, what is happening? Like there's there's just so many layers to it and it, it really bothers me to be honest. I'm sort of just sitting here quietly realizing I never thought of any of that. 
Like there's somebody I follow on Instagram. I won't like call her name out or anything, but there's a person mm-hmm. I follow on Instagram. Um, now, she does acknowledge that OnlyFans is sex work and she is uh, very vocal about uh, sex work being real work and that, um, you know, her doing it, she knows what she's doing. But I remember like seeing a bunch of her Instagram stories about, you know, she's working on this OnlyFans thing. And, you know, she's also I think she's studying to become like a sex therapist or something along those lines. But as she was talking about it and she even when she called it sex work, even that like like made a light bulb go off for me. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it is. Like, it's just something that, like you said, people do it. They're just like posting stuff online and what calling it something different. Like the people who were getting defensive when you were when you were ranting in the comments, what were they saying to you? Like, what do they think they're doing? Oh, it's absolute denial that it's sex work. And and my point is, I don't care if you're you know, having a gangbang, or if you're masturbating all by yourself, or if you're selling your panties, either way, it's, it's all under the umbrella of sex work, mm-hmm. you can deny it all you want. And the problem is, is the stigma. It's not the actual name sex work It's that people think when you're called a sex worker, that means you're, you know, all kinds of whorish words. And that's ridiculous, because just as much as you're not a whore for selling your panties, you're not a whore for being a stripper either. I mean, where where's the line? And this this actually happens in sex work environments too. There are some strippers very judgmental of escorts, and there are escorts very mm. judgmental of streetwalkers, and there and you know, and so on and so forth. And I think it's all just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the amount of popularity that something like OnlyFans has gathered and the normalization of it, the the manpower behind that that could be a movement to actually protect the workers themselves it would be global and, and life changing. And that kind of manpower can't be purchased through red, re, like regular political processes. And, and so at, at what point have you seen this mass acceptance of everything from Pornhub to OnlyFans and, and whether you're just a TikTok mom getting drunk because you're on furlough or you're the IG girl who's sick of doing bikini shoots and getting Fashion Nova contracts. Like mm-hmm. it's all under the same umbrella and, and lives could be saved if everybody worked together to normalize it through law as well to catch up. It would be so impactful. I'm glad you ranted. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> These, it's it's things that I think a lot of people wouldn't necessarily think of. Only fans, I guess, could seem innocent enough you know the way that some people go about it but i mean like you said call it what it is and yeah anyway i think what uh we really wanted to get down to with you tonight is how your industry has just been punched in the face yeah I this wanna, past year i want to know like when you when you hear doug ford say certain things like what goes through your mind you know <laughs> politics aside <laughs> Um, um, I mean, in in general, I found um, all of our leaders on all three levels of government to at least be communicative. And and that has been reliable. Like we can rely on the fact that we know at 2 p.m. on Friday, he's going to talk and he's going to tell us what's up. I hate how last minute a lot of it has been. I don't necessarily agree with all of the, the guidelines, specifics and decisions and all of that. But none of them will make us all happy all the time. It's a crisis. I understand that. Um, 
but I feel like there has just been some bizarre order of operations and things that just don't really make sense. I mean, it should have been pretty clear early on that everything from restaurants to strip clubs is a high risk environment. Mm -hmm. That should never have happened. I feel terrible for how it's hit strip clubs um, and dancers specifically. Um, And dancers are really accustomed to a environment and a way of life that something more one-on-one and quiet and intimate like escorting or massage work or anything like that can be almost uncomfortable. Um, and, and there's a lot of substance dependency that goes involved with, with strip clubs as well. A lot of girls need to drink to work. Um, so it's really kind of cornered them into a situation that's difficult to stay safe and still do the job they like. Um, or to have to compromise on things that I'm not really sure should be compromised on. Escort agencies are still operating. They're not licensed. So they're still operating as if nothing's changed. I mean, maybe she shows up with a mask in the hotel, but in essence, there's nothing that's regulating them whatsoever, which is aggravating because if it's an in-call environment, great, they rent a condo. We rent, uh, like we lease a commercial unit. Same one-on-one scenario in a room. Why? Why are they allowed to operate? Why are they allowed to operate unlicensed to begin with? But, you know, we pay for the privilege to operate under government regulation. So are they allowed to operate or is it just that there's nothing the government can do about it because they're not regulated and there's no way to shut them down? There are definitely ways to shut them down if they decided to go about it. It's not it's not cheap or easy. Um, and, and from a police work standpoint, it needs a lot of resources um oddly the investigations into things like that it same with unlicensed massage parlors or if you tried to open an unlicensed strip club um they they can catch on to it and it just takes manpower and money um and time to to have enough evidence together to end up with closure orders i think i think if brothels were a thing they would be licensed and they would operate much more along the same guidelines of a destination like strip clubs and massage parlors are but they they already run under the law because there is no such exactly. governing agency for things like in call in call or out call. Right. Um. And it's if it's one on one, you you call the booker, the booker calls you, and Shelly shows up at your door at three o'clock and you book her. Who was it that was saying? Um. Was it Teresa Tam? Was she the one saying if you're going to be having sex with somebody that isn't your partner, have sex with a mask <laughs> yeah, on? I think so, yeah. <laughs> and I remember hearing that and chuckling, but actually, again, not even thinking about escorts. Like if they want to be safe. <laughs> if you're thinking about it with your husband, that's ridiculous. But <laughs> if, if you're a swipe right and meet up that night kind of person. I mean, if you do that on the regular, which lots of people do and still would risk it through COVID, wear a freaking mask. I don't know. (laughs) I I don't I don't date like that. So I don't know. (laughs) And let's just let's just really hope that COVID is not sexually transmitted in any way. (laughs) Thank goodness for that. Right. Because then, my God, the anger would be like 10 times worse. That's true. That's true. People would be pissed. Nobody's getting laid. Everyone's just fucking angry. It would be a disaster. It's a whole lot of jerking off going on. During the time that we were, um, that when we reopened um, before this now second round of lockdowns, um, strip clubs were still closed. So that definitely weighs in, in all other um, places favors. Um, so wait, 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 and- wait, 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 wait. 
you guys were permitted to open, like Muse and other licensed body rub parlors were permitted to open and strip clubs were not. Strip clubs were one of the first places to get shut down. I know, but do you, our, don't you? group in public environment, it's completely different than our setup. That's true, because you guys are one-on-one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but I, I don't know. I find that a little bit shocking. Strip clubs and restaurants, boom. First one's down, last one's back up. What about when restaurants reopened? Were strip clubs reopened then? No, they were only allowed to open for two weeks before they were shut down again. Again, because that first outbreak that happened at the Brass Rail in Paradise. Right, right, oh, right. right, right. right. The Brass Rail. I forgot about that. Imagine okay. that conversation when you go home. They operate like a nightclub, right? Nightclubs still haven't really opened. You can't, you can't yeah. go downtown. Right, 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 right. That's an uncomfortable conversation. And even the private dancing areas are open open space. You only have dividers. Hmm. Anyway, sorry, I cut you off. I was just, I wasn't even <laughs> thinking about that. I'm like, strip clubs weren't allowed to open, but you guys were allowed to open. Okay. Our setup is very much more like RMT and chiropractor type setup. It's a service. We, and we can, service we have waiting yeah. rooms. We can limit how many people are in the lobby. Exactly. People can wait outside and we text them when to come in. Yep. Yeah. It's like, it's like a, it's service industry. Like your hails yeah. and your hails, your nails and hair. Nails and, and hair. Yeah. Salons and spas. We've actually, we fell into, I think it was phase two, but because we have one spa in Bonn and one spa in Toronto, the mm. cities are different and under different yep. rules. Yep. And that has been such a benefit to us through this crisis yes. because there have been times where one is open and the other is not. Right. Have you had clientele go from the Toronto location all the way up to the Vaughn location? Absolutely. Nice. So all of Toronto is closed down. York region was the only place to go. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So what we wanted to find out from you is sort of like a timeline, like from let's go back to March 2020. Mm-hmm. We all got shut down. So you said you guys were allowed to open back up in phase two. So was that the same with us where we, we were phase two, weren't we? Yeah. So you opened up what month? I, I don't remember. Oh, my God. 2020 is such a blur. Like we, op- we opened, we were given the green light by our regulate uh, our college that we could open up um, I think it was May 27th we got the green light and so Mark and I started practicing again um, second week of June okay no it was definitely later for us okay. okay so you guys were like September or something like that it was um late August September. I want to say it was the like the first or second week of August okay all right so even before that I want to know like when you hear mm-hmm. everything is shutting down only things that are open are, you know, essential anything. And that was when it was actually only exactly, essential things. Exactly. Not like now where we put essential right. in quotes. Were you, were you like <laughs> us? Because we have a couple businesses going on and we're like, oh, what the hell is going to happen here? Or were you just mm-hmm. were you just like, mm, you know, uh, let's uh, I'm OK. I'll be OK. I don't know what's going to happen. But right now I feel pretty good. Um, I mean, there was definitely I think everybody didn't know what was going to happen. Um, but there was, uh, there's such an interesting dynamic between Riley and I We're definitely a yin and a yang. Um, and I remember at first telling her, uh, it was parts of like China and Japan and stuff. We're shutting the schools and all this. And she was like, that'll never happen. (laughs) I was like, Oh, it's coming, honey. Like, this is real shit. Brace yourself. She's like, nah, that'll never happen. I I was Riley. Like, as everybody's telling me, like, are you worried about this coronavirus? Like, you know, I'm, I'm a mother, so I'm at the school and I've got parents saying to me, like, are you concerned? Are you worried? I'm like, oh, come on, guys. Do we ever hear about Ebola anymore? <laughs> Chill out. Everything will be fine. Yeah. Took my foot right out of my mouth. But like, I, I mean, once we knew it was not just going to be the initial two weeks and like chatter around, you know, the city was pretty much this is going to end up being for months. Um, that's when the worry definitely uh, came in. I mean, in many respects, our business doesn't qualify for a lot of the government assistance programs. So 
we were now looking at floating to commercial leases, our own mortgages and rents and stuff, yeah. um, and so on and so forth. And, and I mean, shit got real really, really quickly. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter how established you are. We've seen so many short and long businesses close down because of the expenses and the, just the length of time of these lockdowns. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody has a 24-month emergency fund. I mean, that's ridiculous. So yeah, I mean, that part has not been fun. We were quite relieved to reopen. Um, Vaughn was allowed to reopen before Toronto. Uh, and and then the closure happened in Toronto first and Vaughn was open longer. Uh, and I anticipate it'll be the same way once reopening happens again. But we are blessed because we are the only ones out there that have spas in two cities. So it does at least give us that flexibility, which has been a saving grace. Yeah. Thankfully you do have the two cities. Um, I am so curious at this point, and maybe this is a dumb question because maybe it was exactly what we did. But when you reopened, being that you guys are licensed and I know that, you know, bylaw officers come by, you know, you guys are heavily policed, if that's the right word. What type of protocols did you have to put in place? Obviously, like the distancing and making sure you're limiting the number of people in the spa. But Mm -hmm. because you guys are literally up close and personal with your clients, um, (laughs) what, what was in place for you? and to make sure that you were keeping the clients safe and your girls safe. Absolutely. Um, I mean, in in general, uh, our licensing guidelines for the general operations of it as a business were very much the exact same as as Shoppers Drug Mart to you guys, to Walmart, how many people inside at a time, uh, temperature checks at the door for everybody, uh, hand wash and, and sanitizer stations everywhere. It's like the unsexiest thing ever to see. <laughs> like actually, and now we all have like dry skin that's like flaking off from all of this fucking antibacterial shit. Like it's bad. <laughs> it's just the grossest stuff ever. And yeah. it, it just burns all day. It smells. I hate sand sanitizer, it's but it worst. works, right? <laughs> um, all of those things, managers in, in gloves, in masks, gloves at the beginning, because that was when we were all concerned that it was on surfaces. Right. Um, you know, pretty much our managers would open the door with a thermometer and a thing of Lysol. <laughs> <laughs> Even our cleaning procedures changed. Normally we focus on, I mean, we do endless amounts of laundry and we're cleaning down showers all day and, and, and massage tables and things like that. Now it was like, hey, you also have to clean every light switch that's ever existed. Yeah. Clean every door knob twice, like, you know, faucet handles. And you think you clean the shower, but did you actually clean the knob? And like little things that you normally wouldn't be the, the go-to or that are done once a day or now done 15 times a day. Uh, it runs through your cleaning supplies, which is interesting when the city runs out of things. Like it was a whole, mm-hmm. the same shit show as everybody else dealt mm-hmm. with. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the actual services, and, and like what went on in the rooms in general, we trust that our staff follow our house rules anyway. So there's already a really established trust level with, with our employees. We trust that they don't offer services that we don't offer. So the masks and things like that were along the same lines. I would prefer that every client, every girl be wearing a mask and nobody get COVID. Do they? And they still make out. I don't know. I'm not in there. Um, but neither is bylaw, neither is any any other people. That's mm-hmm. really a two person decision, just like it is going anywhere else. I mean, a, a dentist has people's mouths open and they're right in it anyway. Yeah. So y- y- you got to pick your risks. Would I have been the guy who's like, I got to go to the rub and tug? I don't know. I don't know. 
Um, I'm not a man. I'm not married and I'm not unsatisfied. (laughs) (laughs) I also don't have these options. I'm a woman uh, and I never go to my own spot. So, you know, maybe I'd be that guy. I'd like to think if I had a penis, I would be that guy. I'd be like, that's the first thing I'm going to do because you just want to get out. When you do, when you go out, you should do something a little rebellious. So I, I don't know. Um, I will say that we were exceptionally busy instantly. Yeah, I bet. Because all of those guys that were your regular clients for how long, not only were they unable to come see you, but they were stuck in their misery and even more (laughs) miserable. (laughs) Zero outlet. Yeah. 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 Zero outlets. Um, Like I know COVID, (laughs) I, I said this last night on our recording that COVID destroyed a lot of relationships and helped a lot of relationships like you were you're absolutely like 100% stuck with your partner and it either made you guys stronger or made you realize like fuck I can't stand this human being in front of me absolutely absolutely and I think that there is a shock value to both yeah I think it would be unexpected to both some people they're so busy that they almost forget how great they are with their partner and then to all of a sudden be like together could be really like surprising at how much you've enjoyed this time or whatever. And then the opposite is very true with people that keep busy to avoid the truth at home. And then all of a sudden have to face their day. Mark, we didn't get any fucking shock value. We already spend 24 <laughs> hours a day. Like we're already together all the time. It's funny actually, because when this we came to see you, no, it's changed nothing for us. us. But it's funny because when we came to see you in 2018, Emily, that was before our listeners knew that we were married. Um, not that it was a secret, but we just decided, you know, not to bring it up on air because it didn't matter. We were just going to be right. like two people that hosted this podcast. And then I ended up inviting somebody that knew us personally on and she outed us and we decided just to keep it in We're like it was going to come out at some point you know Plus, so that would have been way too hard to fucking it would have been hard it. to edit but yeah we just left it in and so then it became like common knowledge but i will never forget because i actually thought of this when she outed us i remember when we were sitting in your spa and you said to me if there's any advice i could give to you because i'm wearing a wedding ring so you knew like and i think i had even alluded to the fact that i'm married i have kids and i remember you saying to me in your spa if you're like if there's one piece of advice i can give to you give your husband blowjobs and i was like oh he's gonna love you and meanwhile mark's just sitting there quietly like "Uh uh uh-huh 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 Uh-huh. <laughs> Make notes, right? <laughs> I hope in quarantine you got extra blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> there could be scheduled BJ time if you have to. Scheduled. But there's, there's 24 hours and you're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Well, don't forget, we were also quarantined with two small children who have no boundaries. <laughs> I, I don't have kids, so I've heard from many parents. Oh, yeah. We had a close call last weekend. <laughs> it was it was not a close call. It was an interruption. <laughs> yeah. At least you're doing things to get interrupted. <laughs> I always start again later. I mean, there are people that none of that happened. So that's, I think you guys are on the on the good side of that. I think it's better to be caught than not be doing it at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Could be worse. Quarantine living for me was very easy. I, I'm a I'm a single person. I have no partner. I live with my cat in a little townhouse. And uh, most of my social life is through travel and overseas. So when I'm home, I'm home by myself anyway. I don't have a nine to five office to go to. I usually would go by the spa once a week, once every two weeks. Um, I mean, I, I run everything off my phone for the most part, uh, started doing interviews and training and stuff on zoom through COVID, but like having just pajamas or like no pants is like my everyday <laughs> and people just freaked out about being by themselves. And I was like, wow, I must be extremely mentally sound and like healthy because every it felt to me, I was like, welcome to how I live. 
folks. <laughs> so this was this was relatively normal for you. Um, like my brother is similar in the sense that like he lives alone, he's not married, he doesn't have children. Um, and majority of what he does, like he's an accountant, he works alone all the time, and he can work from home. And so for him, yeah, I mean, being locked down didn't really seem like a far stretch. But even he just because I know he lives alone, like him and I aren't normally phone call people. In fact, most of the times that I call him, he texts me and he's like, why are you calling me? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, what? just screening my calls here. Like, what the fuck? But during the lockdown, initially, I would call him every few days just to like see how he was doing because I was like, you're by yourself. Aren't you lonely? And at first he was exactly what you just described. He's like, "Um, this is my regular life. Are you OK? Like, I'm fine. But even he started to go stir fucking crazy. Like, did you ever hit a point where you're like, OK, actually, I haven't seen real humans in a really long time. You know what? I, I can genuinely say I didn't hit that wall. Um, and that's also because I'm not, I am extremely single. Um, I, I'm not an avid dater. Uh, I bring a lot to a table and I'm very picky. So, <laughs> and I come by that honestly, so I'm okay with that. So I can spend excessive amounts of time. Even when I travel as often alone, um, I, I enjoy my own company a fair amount. Uh, and I'm quite self-sufficient. I mean, I also don't drive. So like winters, I stay the fucking doors. I, I could go four months, no problem and see people literally the one time I'll go buy Muse. I've been using grocery delivery for six years. Like there's nothing <laughs> that changed for me. I've had my wine delivered. I don't carry that shit. Again, I don't drive. I'm not out here lugging a case of wine anywhere. I've been having all of this on delivery organized and this is literally how I live. So you're just fucking laughing at all of us right now. <laughs> I've been like, what is wrong with people? <laughs> the Instagram live breakdowns. I'm like, you guys just... A lot of people dislike their own company. It's kind of sad. But I did have an emotional moment when we first reopened the first time I saw Riley. It was the longest time I've gone without seeing Riley since we first became friends. And uh, I cried when we hugged. That was definitely a fluffy, sappy moment. And she's got kids and a honey and all kinds of things. So she gets hugs every day. And I realized it had been five and a half months since I had a hug. And it didn't hit me till that hug. And I was like, <laughs> it just fell apart. That is really good, though, that you can you can enjoy your own company that much. I honestly don't know what I would be like because I, I don't live alone. There's literally always somebody touching me. And we had somebody on <laughs> um, a couple nights ago who is also like single, no children. And she said, um, you know, when I, I made some sort of remark like that, like I, there is always somebody touching me. And she's like, and I haven't had human contact in months. And I was like, wow. I have no idea what I would be like if I had to be by myself because at any given moment during the day, somebody is touching me. Like there is a child hanging off of me. It's really weird for people. And yeah. I get that. But I, I think if anything, that should show people that it's it's not bad to do things by yourself. If you're that uncomfortable, you need to get more comfortable. Yeah. Like the amount of people I know that have never lived alone we're never gone on a single trip by themselves. And I, I highly recommend it. I'm both I'm both of those people. I've never lived alone. I've never traveled alone. Oh, it's such an amazing experience that traveling alone, you end up meeting people and doing things and getting into places and aspects of like local kind of like culture that you wouldn't if you were in a group or on a resort yeah. or in some sort of commercial fabricated environment. When you travel alone, is people scoop you up. You're like, come on with us. We're going out. Yep. Next thing you know, you're having the time of your life. Like, 
it's just such a different experience. And it builds comfort in being by yourself, confidence in your ability to get everywhere you need to go. Like there's just layers and layers to the, to the personal growth that can happen. Being alone. Well, I mean, Mark, before <laughs> we lived together, like you were pretty comfortable being alone. You were the guy that if you wanted to like go out to eat and nobody was going to go with, like, actually, I think you preferred if nobody was going to go with you. If you wanted to go see a movie, you would just go see a movie. Yeah. Like you didn't care if somebody was Why going with you. Someone to go I see like a movie. I like being alone too. I don't share food. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally with you on that one. So for you, the quarantine thing was not a big deal. Um, yeah, which is great. I mean, the lack of Muse stuff was really weird. So what does it look like for the rest of the industry? Your competitors? Have you have you already noticed doors closed? and stuff? Oh, yeah. Has anyone shut down? Mm. There have definitely been a few because we do get the odd email once in a blue moon when someone's selling, um, <laughs> which I find just fascinating <laughs> that they just... CC everybody. <laughs> it's all in a bulk email. <laughs> I was like, what? Um, like, God bless the person who replies all. I just think it sets up a weird environment. Um, but I mean, uh, many of the, uh, I'd say our main competitors are definitely either more established or more high end. Um, from what I can tell, they're still around. They still exist. Their websites are still up. I mean, they're still in lockdown like the rest of us, but they seem to be doing okay. I would assume that they're busy uh, just like us when they got to reopen. Um, I know they were angry that Toronto and Peel were closed uh, long before York Region was, and we were just killing it. We were always kind of killing it, but that was almost a, a really like narrowed focus on us at that time um, because there's only three parlors in Vaughn. It, it, was, it was the first time, I mean, Vaughn can be very steady, but it was the first time where managers were like ready to snap because they were like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> we were, Riley and I are like, yay. <laughs> we're like, no, <laughs> it's a lot to juggle. Also when you're trying to keep people separated. Mm -hmm. I mean, normally if it's busy and there's a couple clients in the lobby, our clients are surprisingly relaxed around each other. Um, Back in my day when I used to work, clients were like 007 going everywhere and would almost disguise themselves to walk in and out. I guess because of some of the social events we do, a lot of our clients know each other. We're all friends on Twitter and stuff. Mm. Um, so they'll just sit and like watch the game on, on TV or whatever and just chill, which I find interesting. But with COVID, you can't do that. So I didn't realize that they had this whole texting from the parking lot system. When they see someone leave, the next guy is in line, they get a text and come in. And I was like, what? This is amazing. And it was amazing. The, the girls were very happy. Obviously, it was the managers ready to go a little, a little crazy from all yeah, of it. Yeah, it definitely adds a little more work. I mean, yeah. I work alone, so <laughs> it has not been an issue for me. Like when my clients arrive, there's a sign on my door that just says, don't enter more than five minutes prior to your scheduled appointment time. That way I can guarantee that nobody's crossing paths because I've been putting 30 minutes between people. So yeah. somebody is long gone before the next person comes in. Um, but I can assume in a place where there's multiple multiple therapists that, yeah, you're going to have to have some sort of system to make sure people aren't crossing paths. You want to make sure nobody crosses paths and, and figuring out, like, really staying on top of which rooms are open at what given time and where clients belong and, and really not letting them cross paths. And luckily, um, our Vaughn Spa is actually set up even better for that. There's a separate uh, waiting room with two doors. So you can really take someone in one way and out the other. And, and they literally won't cross paths at all, let alone timing. Do you have to take down names and phone numbers for contact oh, tracing? Oh, yeah. We did. Uh, phone numbers or email. 
Um, and most give email. It's just a lot easier, I think, or private. Um, but yeah, same, same as like walking into a restaurant. Was, so was there any apprehension from your clients to be like, nah. For sure. I can't promise that every email is true. Yeah. yeah. I assume a lot of the, you know, the gentlemen <laughs> coming in there are not being necessarily forthcoming with uh, where they're going when they're going to see you. <laughs> I would I would put down my brother's name and his his wife's phone number. <laughs> well, I'm at least kidding. now I know. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We heard all about what happened when the Brass Rail in Paradise had their problems because as a nightclub, they were set up to have to do proper contact tracing. And the city had a lot of, if you remember the, the news reports, they had a lot of time finding people yep. um, because the contact tracing information wasn't accurate. <laughs> and so... What do you do when some girl's like, oh, that's my regular Bob. He's here every week. But yet that's not Bob at all. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not like anybody has any proof of that. You know, when I walk up, when patios were open here in Toronto, they would just say, give it any name and number. So I could, I mean, I was always giving my real name and real phone number. You could be Susie Q in a heartbeat, right? But yeah, I could have been anybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I don't recommend it, but I get it. It's the industry as it is anyway. I mean, technically, we're supposed to give every customer a receipt, which would include their name. If we did that, clients would look at us like we're crazy. <laughs> what am I going to do with this? Give it to my accountant? Like, yeah. <laughs> so our receipt book is like John, Bob, Mark, Steve. John, Bob, Mark, Steve. I mean, it is what it is. Sorry, John, Bob, Mark, and Steve. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's always the common ones. <laughs> and of course, your name is in there. Common Jesus, well, Mark. I mean, I wasn't born Emily either. So <laughs> There you go. Me. Actually, I think, I think Mark and I had a conversation about you not long ago because I said something and he said, well, Emily Muse. And I was like, you know, that's not her name, right? <laughs> yes, I know. I had somebody say to me how awesome that is that that's your last name. Oh, my like, God. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I just roll with it. You know, I've been Emily since I was 19 years old. So at times it comes out easier than my my real name because right. I'm more often in an environment where I'm using that identity. I assume these, the same is for like, you know, share. Madonna, Beyonce. I mean, who walks around and just introduces themselves Andre 3000? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You got to get used to it. He's Eminem. I I just, I don't know who else to go by some days. But it's great for privacy. It's great when I'm not interested in getting a guy's phone number. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And all my friends know if I say that, I'm not interested. (laughs) When I was in high school slash early university, my best friend and I had created... created names for ourselves when we were out and you know some guys were being overly persistent and we just wanted to like shut them up and move on um so i was i was anna for a really long time you remember <laughs> yeah i was anna for a really long time she was katie for really now you guys know your role play yeah <laughs> <laughs> we strangers in a bar <laughs> yeah you're in trouble <laughs> You're not getting laid that night, Mark. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you guys watch Friends at all? Because Phoebe and uh, Joey have stage Um name. Do we watch Friends? Okay. Ken Adams is is that the name? Ken Adams, Ken yeah. Adams. <laughs> Regina Falange and Ken Adams. <laughs> I literally cried the other day because Friends, as I knew it was going to happen, Friends is finally off Netflix. I have a lot of anxiety issues and whether it's true or not, I read somewhere that people with anxiety tend to watch the same TV shows and movies over and over, especially when you're feeling very anxious because it's predictable. 
So when I'm when I'm having a day and I just want to like shut off my brain and drink a glass and or a bottle of wine, I would like put on friends and just like cuddle up in my fuzzy robe and my llama slippers and watch friends. And I can't do that anymore. It's gone. It's it's on um Discovery Plus. And it's I think it's on the CTV app. We have the CTV app, don't we? Yeah, we got all that crap. We got everything. All right. <laughs> we got all those we did a whole marathon of much music over the holidays and I watched almost every single I know one. there's always a way to watch friends because yeah. they're never really going anywhere, but like that was my thing. Like I I love I have a friend signboard in my treatment room that says the one where you got a massage. Ah, so good. <laughs> There's so many good massage references in there. I know. It's so good. Well, it's funny because when I was in high school, uh, one of my friends used to call me Phoebe. I would like, I would just, it's funny because I was like the 90s student who just like appeared outwardly dumb, but I kind of liked that, that I just like <laughs> appeared really dumb. But then my graduating average was like 96. I'm like, oh, jokes on you guys. I'm super smart. So <laughs> she always called me Phoebe because I was super ditzy. And then I became a massage therapist. And I'm like, I feel like you had something to do with that. Well, I mean, Phoebe's pretty clever, though. She's the only one with street smarts. <laughs> right? See? She seems a little ditzy and dumb, but don't underestimate. I mean, if you're in survival mode, I'd pick Phoebe any day. <laughs> 100%. And I mean, Phoebe's really bendy, so that always yeah, got me over. she's super bendy. <laughs> I just read a Phoebe quote the other day that made me laugh out loud. It was something like, um, I'm not just a, a pretty face with an ass that won't quit. That's <laughs> quit. <laughs> So good. That that show just all around is so relatable. So at this moment, you guys are obviously still shut down, not doing anything. And at this point, nobody knows when we're going to be back up and running normally and businesses back up. Um, through all of these lockdowns and restrictions, um, I know that, as you said, you didn't qualify for a lot of the government relief. Did you guys get any relief? Did you get any rent relief, like any help at all? Or were you just like, fuck, we got to figure this out? Um, about 90% fuck, we got to figure this out. Yeah. About 10% some, some help at times. We're in a little bit better position this time. Like we've qualified for some of like the utility relief and things like that. Yeah. Um, but no, most of like the loan programs and stuff like that was just not applicable to us, which is frustrating because we definitely pay taxes and we, Pay for our licensing fees, just like any other business. And your licensing fees are not cheap, which we discovered a couple of years ago. So I mean... Not just because of the type of business we are, but the um, the hatred of our competitors uh, really pushes us to be legitimate in our tax claims. Uh, we get audited enough just by the nature of our business, but right. I don't want to give red meat to our competitors to enjoy calling the CRA on us at any given time. Riley is the one that handles most of the uh, bookkeeping, bill payments, all of that kind of technical paperwork type stuff, whereas I do a lot of the PR. Um, and she has nightmares all the time about the CRA. <laughs> <laughs> um, and almost at times doesn't believe our accountant when our accountant re reassures us that everything's you know, on the board and on the books and legitimate and you can sleep at night. I still worry. So um Either way, it was really on her to help uh, to kind of navigate that with the help of our accountant and our bookkeeper. Um, and it got really got really stressful. I, I know that she carries a little bit more of the stress from that stuff because she deals with it more. Um, whereas I deal with the stress of like PR and hiring and things like that. But it, it was frustrating to navigate to know that you're doing things right all along and still be turned away for things like that. And something that has nothing to do with us nor is it our fault. Yeah, we're we're in a similar situation. Like we're okay. As you said, we're about 90% 
like figure it out and 10% help. But we're in a situation now where there's like a new government program that's um, people are going to be able to apply for in like this month. And as I'm reading it, there's these tiny little things that I'm like, I have a feeling we're not going to qualify for this over like something that is actually ridiculous. And like you said, this is not our fault. I feel like, you know, because our business, our education business, we don't necessarily fall anywhere. You know, like we're not a school, we're not a survey. Like I've gone through the Ontario website, like with a fine tooth comb, like 72 times and we don't fall anywhere. So I try to best, like I've basically fit us in with professional office, right? Which is what we are because it's just Mark and I, and then we, we have like uh, seminars with other regulated professionals that come in. So I've put us in that category and that's how we decide how we're going to operate day to day. But yeah, when trying to figure out what we may or may not qualify for, um, most of the time with every little like either grant or um, assistance here or there, there's like one little thing that we don't check that box. And so we're like, oh, fuck, we don't get that either. So we've had yeah very little help through all of this. So like I feel your pain there. Those websites are so not user-friendly. No. And there's no one to ask. Like, I don't want to be wrong and get penalized later. Yeah, exactly. That's why when I don't check a box completely, I'm like, no, we don't. You know, and my accountant, as I mentioned, my brother earlier is my brother. And, you know, he's obviously constantly looking out for stuff and he'll send me something. And then I read through it and I'll say to him like, oh, but we actually can do this or this. He's like, oh, yeah, then no, you don't qualify. Like, it's very fucking frustrating. So I do understand like the situation you guys are in as well, because we yeah we don't we don't really qualify for a lot of help so we've just had to kind of pivot and do as much as we can do i assume you guys can't do your work virtually like at least we can do some of our stuff virtually i mean we try to help all of our chicks have have only fans so i try to help and retweet their tweets and stuff like that but at the same time i, I don't work for only fans and I don't get any payout. So I'm not going to sit and over promote something. Yeah. I don't want clients to switch entirely to virtual anyway. I of want course. them to come back when we reopen. That said, it, in looking kind of hindsight at closing, reopening, closing again, and kind of trying to set up at least we're hoping for some point February or, or God forbid March that everybody reopens again. It's kind of a pause and a reset that you normally don't get. There's lots of things you want to clean up the website or you want to clean yeah. out your followers list or anything like there's little random things that we've tried to take advantage of. Um, and we've actually come out stronger each and every time. And that is completely subtracting as owners, the struggle of maintaining these, these like brick and mortar facilities being open while closed, like not going under. Um, but in terms of clientele and traffic flow and staffing, we've really, we've really come out on top each time. Um, so I can't complain. That's for sure. We definitely have blessings to count. Um, but it's absolutely frustrating when I have, you know, friends in who own a hair salon and they're able to qualify for everything and, and they're like, tra la 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 la, and then flit off to Mexico for a week. And, and I'm like, what? How? Wh- what? <laughs> and we've had a completely different experience. Um, that said, it's not the burden of our staff to bear. So we've really tried to just use the the time as best we can, um, but actually doing that instead of how a lot of people say they're going to do it and then not. We've had like a lot of a lot of opportunity and time to go through and and clean things, refine procedures, update computers, like so many of the little 
administrative type details that get pushed on the rug or pushed aside uh, for way too long. Mm-hmm. I feel like the same for personal lives. You often don't have that much time to sit and read a book. So I've read a lot. <laughs> I've definitely not had any time to read books. However, um, the first shutdown, normally, I'm, I'm going to throw Mark under the bus a little bit. Normally, Mark it would be the type of person who would be um, completely stressed and his energy would like be very, very, very hard to deal with. Um, I don't know what came over him in 2020, but he was relatively calm, which managed to keep me relatively calm. Like I was the one a little more like, fuck man, like what are we going to do? And he just kept saying like, let's just, let's just take the pause. And eventually I just listened to it. I was like, yeah, you know, let's just, when else in our entire life have we ever just had the opportunity to like hang out and spend time with the kids, like this much actual time with the kids. Like I remember one specific day, it was probably a bad idea because it was way fucking colder than I imagined it to be. (laughs) But we decided because our kids at the time were obsessed with Peppa Pig. We decided to let them get dressed up in like splash pants and rain boots and like all of their rain gear after it had just poured rain. And we went to an empty parking lot and let them run around and jump in puddles. I love it. And we were just like filming it and laughing hysterically. And like it was super fun, but really fucking cold. We would never in a million years have time or like we would think we don't have time to do something like that, you know, because there's always work to be doing. And at this point, we're like, well, we're literally on pause. Like there's nothing we can do. There's still all of these question marks. Like this was probably like second week of April. So we're like, what are we going to fucking do? I took my kids on a scavenger hunt. Um, one of the kids teachers posted like a spring scavenger hunt. It was like, go find a bunny, a butterfly, a feather. Like, and we just went walking around the neighborhood. And I swear to God, Emily, I live in a neighborhood that's mostly condos. We found a fucking bunny. Like how, (laughs) how did we find a bunny? Like I was literally thinking like my kids are going to be so disappointed. There's no way we're going to find, there was a bunny. We found found a bunny. (laughs) Yeah. So I could have cried for months and instead we're like, okay, let's just actually do stuff we never get to do. So yeah, I didn't get to read books, but I spent an enormous amount of time with my kids that I probably never would have otherwise. That's such a blessing. Blessings in disguise have really been prevalent. And I I hope a lot of people have taken the time to appreciate them. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's, I always have to say this after, like, I recognize that when I'm speaking about it, I'm speaking from a place of privilege. I didn't lose my business. I didn't, you know, like, I'm, I'm not sick. I'm not, you know, so I understand that for some people, this was not a huge blessing. But for those of us that didn't lose our livelihoods completely, like, you know, some good things did come out of 2020. It wasn't all shit. I mean, it was mostly shit, but it wasn't all shit. (laughs) You know what, there was there's been times and phases in my life where I wouldn't have handled this so well. Um, So even those things I've been grateful for. Yeah, Um, for sure. We've all been through phases where we could be a lot more mentally fragile. Um, or less secure in in either what your goals and what you're doing is, let alone who you are and, and what you're going to do with your time. The blessings that I feel having been in this place in my life instead of where I have been in the past was definitely something I thought about on the regular. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of weird how, how life works out that way, but I'm very grateful for it. That's for sure. On the topic of mental health then. I mean, obviously you're okay with your own company and you know, you've been okay. I mean, obviously you want your business to open back up, but you're okay. Where are you in terms of fear of, you know, are you one of the people that you're 
you know, not seeing anybody like completely isolating because you don't want to be around people for fear of getting sick or fear of passing something on? Or are you slowly getting to the point where you're over it? Um, I'm exhausted by it. I, I absolutely miss traveling more than, than most things. I have a few pre-existing conditions, so I've been extremely cautious. Uh, at the same time, I, I'm over it, just like everybody else is over it. It's obnoxious. I, I'm When I do have to go to you know the pharmacy or the grocery store, buy one off, or the bank, I hate standing in line, especially in the winter. I mean, it, it is it is frustrating. Um, at the same time, the yin and yang of Riley and I has really worked well through parts of this. I've been doing a lot of the Zoom training and things like that. Uh, she's been waiting for moments where she can escape from the kids. And she's like, I'll do it. <laughs> she'll, she'll hop in the car and, and go to the spas and deal with whatever has to be dealt with. I, get it. Um, I don't drive. So I'm saving Uber money by, by sitting at home and doing a training on zoom. I mean, it's been, it's been a trade-off at the same time. I can tell when she's at her breaking point and I will be like, I can think of some things that you could do if you want to go <laughs> <laughs> and, and it'll get her out of the house too. So, um, it's been a bit of, uh, a bit of a balance, but I mean, I, I would love if we could all be at a point where I could hop on a plane safely again. Yeah. That would be lovely. That's where most of my um my, my extracurricular activities, my social life. You just want to travel. And you know, I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong, but people still are. Like this was another conversation we just had. There are people who are just like, fuck it, I'm going to go travel. And they're doing it. I turned 40 on Sunday and I really didn't want to be here. Happy birthday. Thank you. I put a question mark after that. Like, I, I know that you'd much rather be somewhere else right now for your birthday, but happy birthday. When I turned 20, when I turned 30, I was overseas and uh, I really wanted to be on a beach for my thir- for my 40th birthday. Um, and I, I really contemplated. I really, really did. Uh, had we not had this second lockdown, I can't promise I wouldn't have gone. Um, I def- You wouldn't find me anywhere near a resort. Um, if I was going to go, it definitely would have been somewhere where I could stay in an Airbnb. Um, and most likely by myself or with some of my best friends, uh, with full quarantine procedures, because I still have pre-existing conditions. So, um, luckily though, my life would allow that I could quarantine somewhere for two weeks and I can easily quarantine for two when I come back. I realize that most people don't have that, don't have that luxury. Yeah. That would be really difficult for a lot of people. Um, COVID aside. Let's say that, you know, everything goes back to some form of a normal world and you can travel again. Where's the first place you're going? Oh, gosh, that's such a hard question because (laughs) there are so many things that I love to do. Um, One of my favorite pastimes is carnival, like Caribbean carnival. Um, And I tend to chase carnivals throughout the year and end up in different Caribbean islands uh, and actually play masks with the feathers and the costumes and the whole scene. Uh, and I really, really, really miss it. So it would really depend when in the calendar year it's open and whichever island has their, like gives the green light for carnival would be the first one that I would go to. It would just depend when, when in the year and how much preparation they would have. Um, that said, most carnivals straight through August have already been pre-canceled. So it could be a yeah, while. Yeah, I was just thinking as you were saying that, I'm like, oh, like, are we ever going to see something like that again? <laughs> I mean, I think it will. I think 2022, uh, things will be much more normal. I think anyone expecting magical things to happen this year is just kidding themselves. And happy talk is great, but not when it makes you super disappointed. Um, I, I think there's there's happy talk and then there's like actually deceiving yourself. And I think if people were to think that, you know, they're... By summertime, they're going to be able to, you know, do the normal things they do on the beach or whatever. No, 
it's it's not going to be like that. It's yeah. still going to be very 2020-ish, but we'll get there. Unfortunately, uh, we realized that coming to the end of the year, 2021 is just an extension of 2020 at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a rough start. <laughs> it's been a really rough start. <laughs> like 2021 is like, hold my beer. But I do think come like summertime and onwards, uh, especially as like vaccinations get out there, I think certain things will be able to slowly return to normal. I think if we all jump too fast, we're going to screw ourselves. Um, and, and I think there will be no immediate shift where all of a sudden it's like, okay, go. I, I think it has to be gradual. Yeah, it definitely does. I can't wait. It sucks for people in those industries. I mean, I have a lot of friends that are artists and musicians and things. They're, I mean, all around, every industry has been hit. It's yeah. just how they've been hit is very different. Well, and that's the thing. We feel there's been certain industries that mm-hmm. have really, really... Um, gotten hit harder. I mean, obviously your industry, uh, the hospitality industry, like they're fuck. Like, I, I don't know how majority of restaurants in our city are going to survive through this. I don't think they are. And that's, that is so sad. And I, somebody, uh, one of our friends actually posted on Facebook the other day, like, I don't care. I've never really liked restaurants. And I was like, okay, like, like them or don't like them. Like, do you know how many people's livelihoods are depending on these places opening again? Like it's such a massive chunk of industry. Yeah. Um, and, and the, yeah, there's so many that have been hit so drastically that it makes you wonder how they will recover. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and unfortunately the existing businesses as they look now, most of them won't, they will reopen or open new things or new people will jump into the industry. And I guess that's some sort of natural progression, but it's, it's just shocking that it's all at once. I mean, but any, any recession or depression or pandemic w- would cause that. Um, and it's, I think there's comfort in the fact that it's not just happening to one person or one place. It's the entire globe. Yeah. So there is some sort of like comfort that it wasn't that you fucked up, you know? No, everybody's suffering in some way. Like this has hit everybody in some way, you know, like there's, as I said at the very beginning of this, there's the people who are now trying to adapt to working from home with children, homeschooling children, um, helping them do virtual school. There's the people that, you know, the frontline workers that still have to go out every day and, you know, are possibly afraid and maybe have vulnerable uh, people at home or pre-existing conditions themselves. Like there's, everybody is suffering and struggling in some way with like very, very few exceptions. But there's some that have done really great. I mean, Lysol has made a lot of money. Tesla has made a lot of money. Amazon, they're just fine. Alcohol sales, that said, people aren't really buying pants anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I I see a lot of travel agents are suddenly now on OnlyFans. I mean, it's, it's all like this generic and general shift of everything kind of switching. I mean, and some things will never go back. I think we will always see movies streamed now. Movie theaters are going to end up a bizarre thing that you find one off of in a city. Drive-ins made a comeback. I mean, there's just, there's so many variables. What's impressed me is the people that have taken the challenges to innovate. That has impressed me across so many industries and so many businesses. I mean, even the fact that you can buy a car online nowadays just blows my mind. That shift, even to homeschooling, that shift in general to get every kid on a computer would have taken 15 years going through like Congress just to get the funding to do it. And and things just happen in an instant. So some things will never return. 
why would you spend the overhead? It doesn't make sense anymore. It's true. I think some things have changed forever. Although my my wonderful husband, who is uh, like to tell people today that he's born in 1975, so he's set in his ways and he, <laughs> he, he does things old school. We just recently had to purchase another vehicle. Um, he had a large, uh, he had a truck. I have a small SUV and his truck just like crapped out right before Christmas. We're like, fuck man, like good timing. Oh, and our dishwasher <laughs> broke like the same week. I was like, this is, this is good times. It's very good times during a pandemic. Thanks. Um, so we had to get another car. Unfortunately in our situation, one car doesn't really work for our family. I'm constantly like, you know, taking the kids places and he works all over the place. So we had to get another car and we had to make a de decision fast. So one day when him and I didn't have a ton of work to do and we had a babysitter, we actually started driving like old school driving to car lots. And these guys that worked at these car dealerships were like, like, what are you doing here? <laughs> Do you not know that, like, that we're in the middle of a pandemic? This is, the, this is the greatest part. I love this part, right? So then I'm like, okay, well, what do I got to do? I got to make an appointment? And the guy's like, yeah, you have to make an appointment. You can, you can go outside, call, make an appointment. And I was like, so I can have an appointment for right now? He's like, yeah, but you have to go outside, call, right. and make an appointment, and then I'll bring you in. I'm like, but I'm standing here, like we're talking, it was just confusing to me. And this other dude, <laughs> this other guy was great too. I'm gonna, uh, he's just like, I'm just looking around at, at different cars, right? He's like, so which one do you want to buy? I'm like, what? It's like, this is not how I buy a card. <laughs> he's like, well, tell me which one you want, and we can set it up. I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to look at different cars, just see what I like about different things and then <laughs> I will make up my mind he's like well that's not how this is going to work and I'm like what do you mean bro like like hey, you make no sense to me right now he's like no you can't do it like that it's COVID it's COVID you can't do it like that and I was like this is this is nuts everyone's everyone's lost their fucking mind I don't care what kind of car you're buying I'm not getting in a car with you with a mask to risk my life to test drive <laughs> well that happening. was the greatest because they don't they don't get in the car with you he's like take the keys go yeah, he yeah. got to just get in the car and test drive on his own. Yeah, so we did not purchase a car online because Mark's <laughs> like, I was born in 1975. I do things old school. <laughs> that is priceless, though. <laughs> so what are your predictions? Emily? I don't know what it is about you. I don't know, like, if it's your energy or whatever. Somehow I feel like you say something. Like, even when you were saying, like, I feel like by 2022, things are going to open up. I don't know. I'm like, I I feel like I believe you. Like, I don't know what it is about you. I'm like, I feel like you know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm going to trust you. We're going to open up next year. So where do you see yourself, Riley, your business? Where do you see you guys in five years? Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, that's tough. Um, in in some respects, I think um, many things. I mean, our Toronto spa has been around uh, for the full twelve years, whereas our Vaughn one's been open for four. Um, I feel like Toronto will still be kicking along through. Um, I think Vaughn will still be growing. Um, people ask us all the time if we're going to expand and if we're going to do all these other things, uh, and I I really lean towards no uh, in terms of physical, like purchasing more body rub parlors. First of all, they're not cheap. Um, but our, our brand Muse has taken us already in so many different directions. Um, everything from being able to do media work like this, uh, to like workshops and things that I teach to, uh, I get contracted to swingers resorts in the Caribbean to, to teach, you know, a couple's massage and erotic massage there. 
Um, there's, there's so many cross platforms and different industries that we somehow manage to cross over with, whether it's, you know, cross promos or meshing, you know, different businesses together. Uh, we've done events with different restaurants and, and different nightclubs and things that involved essential kind of aspect and all kinds of different things. So I think, I think it's hard to predict specifically because I'm not quite sure how that that new normal will look come 2022. Um, but I, I definitely have learned our adaptability and some of the, the things that we focused on while we were closed was like big pushes on certain social media platforms. Um, and that's always such a good way to kind of really hear from the people. And we were enlightened to hear about some things that people would like to see from us. So I will definitely say that there's there's more in the horizon uh, that will probably come in the next two to three years, actually. Uh, but Riley and I both have separate outside of Muse businesses and ambitions as well. Um, and I think some of those are really going to morph and take off. Um, I also can't predict how long I will live in this city. I will come back home every four weeks to deal with business. Uh, but I don't have a lot of ties here. So I would really prefer to be living somewhere that's tropical. Um, and, and with that comes property ownership. I own some some rental property and vacation property in the islands already. Um, and so there's expansion of things like that, like uh, like building our estate and, and empires and stuff for our kids to grow old with and, and all kinds of different, different goals like that. Um, I think... I think 2020 has really taught us that there's a lot more adaptability and and enables like ability to kind of morph and transform and chameleon to things that would never even be on the radar prior. And and it just kind of throws them out there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if one day I own a resort that is somehow Muse Incorporated. Um, we could absolutely end up when events and normal things like that end up happening. We could really branch more into entertainment. I mean, there's a lot of avenues that, that we could go that we've contemplated going um, or that will become more applicable as things continue to innovate. So many possibilities. I like it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, our portfolios are diverse anyway. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of an interesting dynamic between Riley and I is we don't just do muse. Um, and we don't just focus on sex work. There's a lot of different things. I mean, I, I have, I don't want to say I have political ambitions, but I, I have political goals in terms of law reform and things that take kind of my studious side, uh, my educational side. Um, I, I go to speak at different uh, universities and discussion panels, Zoom meetings now, um, discussing all kinds of things like, like uh, social issues, social justice issues, uh, women's rights, mm-hmm. equality, all kinds of different things. So, all of this time has really taken me personally in different directions that I didn't necessarily think I'd ever have the time for. I have a book that I'm working on. I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of different things all working. Um, and 2020 was really the blessing to take the time to kind of dive in and see where we go. We can expect a lot from Emily Muse in 2022 and beyond. I know. <laughs> Well, I really I appreciate you taking good. time to talk to us again. It's good to hear that you guys are doing good. Yeah, I'm really glad to hear that this hasn't fucking crushed you, man. Like yeah. I'm it's it is really refreshing to hear that, you know, you guys as you said you have other avenues and 
you were smart. You're smart in business and you're doing things the right way. And, you know, 2020 has given you time to possibly create other really great things that are going to be coming in the next few years. So I, I hope there's a time in the not too distant future that we don't have to do everything over Zoom. But I appreciate you taking the time to be on Zoom with us tonight. <laughs> It is my pleasure. Thanks for having me again. And next time we'll definitely be in person. Right on. With lots of hugs. Sounds good. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.